I guess it's been about six weeks ago, I uh, pastor had asked me to do a, a, uh, a message or a series of messages on praise and worship. Well, we got through most of praise, but we didn't get to finish it. So we're going to do a quick review, finish that this morning, then jump into another sermon. So put your, uh, put your shoes on and uh, put your hair back. We're going to be going for about two hours this morning. I'm just joking. So, and, uh, but, uh, but pastor, thank you so much for the opportunity. To, 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 to preach the Word. What a, what a blessing, and I appreciate your, your, your trust in me to do so. And I can tell you something, folks. I was a pastor for nine years, and one place you protect as a pastor is the pulpit. You make sure that the people that are there are preaching the Word of God. And so that's my deepest prayer this morning, is that we preach the Word of God. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you love to praise? How many of you like to give praise? Yeah. We like for somebody to say, well done, good job, you did, a good, you did all right. Well, you know what? God loves to be praised. The problem is, is a lot of times, the only time we praise God is when He's done something for us. But you know what? We're to praise God at all times. And so, when you, when you look in the Scriptures, somebody says, why do we praise God? Well, first of all, because we're commanded to. Oh, bless our God, you people, and make the voice of His praise to be heard. Psalm 66, 8. Now, you're not going to have these verses. We're doing the, going back and just looking at a few things. But, but, but also, one of the other reasons we praise is why we praise is because, because He is enthroned and praised. Psalm 22, 3. But you are holy, enthroned in the praise of Israel. Also, there is power in praise. And when He had consulted with the people, He appointed those who should sing to the Lord. One of my favorite stories in Scriptures. Jehoshaphat, they're going to face three armies. He doesn't send the Israel's armies out. He sends out the singers. The choir went before the mighty multitude. And because of their praise, it says when they began to praise, God defeated the enemy. Also, we praise because it's a good thing to do. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praise to Your name, O Most High. Next, He's worthy of our praise. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in His holy mountain. Psalm 48.1 We're created to praise Him next. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. Aren't you just glad you're God's special people? I like that. I like the fact that I am a child of the living God, that He indwells me by His Holy Spirit, which gives me the right to say I am a child of God. And what a blessing. And so we were created to do so. Also, it says, when should we praise? Well, according to James 5.13b, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Whenever we want to or feel like it. That's when we praise the Lord. Whenever we don't feel like it. Psalm 42.5 Why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Early in the morning, it says in Psalm 57.8, Awake, my glory, awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. In the evening, at midnight, I will rise and give thanks to you. Psalm 119.62 At all times, Hebrews 13.15, Therefore by Him let us continually offer, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Where should we praise? We talked about. Well, Psalm 113.3 tells us that we should praise from east to west, from the rising of the sun to the going down. In the congregation, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. Folks, when we come together, we're to praise God together. We're to lift up His name. We're to, we're to glorify Him and honor Him in all that we do.
It also says we're to praise to all the world, declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among the people. Psalm 96.3 Now this last part we didn't get into, so I'm going to take just a few minutes just to, to go over this real quick, but how should we praise? What are, what are some ways that we praise the Lord? Well, the first thing, by the lifting of our hands. You know, somebody asked me, they said, y'all are a Baptist church, can I lift my hands? <laughs> I said, absolutely. I said, it's a biblical concept. It's okay to lift your hands in praise. It says, as Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Think about that. It's okay if you lift your hands and praise to God. It's like a child saying, Daddy, hold me. It's okay to praise God by the lifting of your hands. Now, I know there's some here, you're the chosen frozen, you just sit on your hands and say, we look like this. Well, me, I'm a happy clappy. I'm going to tell you, I, I like to get into my worship, okay? It, it's great. It's, it's enjoyable, okay? But also, clapping hands. I just said happy clappy. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with a voice tri of triumph. Psalm 47.1. With musical instruments. I thank God for our instrumentalists here. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the sound of the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments, flutes. Praise with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Psalm 150, verses 3-5. through We can even stand and praise to God. In Revelation, we find God seated on His throne and all others are standing in a form of respect. We also can kneel or lay prostrate before Him. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Yes, one of my favorite things, singing. Yes, singing. You know, it really doesn't matter if you got a voice to sing or not. I mean, the people around you might be a little disappointed. Understandable. But you know what? Sing. Sing with a voice. Sing loud and sing strong. I'll tell you, I, there was a gentleman in, um, in one of the last churches I was in, and oh my goodness, it was not a beautiful sound. He truly made a joyful noise, and that was about all that was joyful about it was the noise. But he sang to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. And then lastly, oh goodness, we're going to get some Baptists mad this morning. Dancing. Do you know that dancing is a form of praise? Now, we're not talking about Elvis pelvis here, okay? Alright? So, we're not going to get up here and shake our leg and our hips. But our bodies move in praise to Him and in worship. Praise then was kind of like leaping and dancing before the Lord. Even David did so as they brought the ark back to Jerusalem. So there's your quick six-minute review on praise. But here's the thing. What's the difference between praise and worship? What sets them apart from each other, but also what connects them together? Because I want you to kind of see this. If you had a circle here that said praise, and you had a circle that said worship, you kind of connect the two. Because they overlap with each other. But there is somewhat of a difference. And I want you to think about this. When you praise, you know, you can be praising and not worshiping, right? Because think about this. If your dog does good, what do you do? You, you talk to it like it's a little child. Oh, you did a good job. You, 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 you go. And you give it a little treat. 
But you're not worshiping your dog. If you were, I'd say you probably need to go see a psychologist and figure out what's going on up here. But we praise in different ways. We praise our children when they do good grades. We, we praise them, but it doesn't mean we worship. But when it comes to God, praise and worship definitely do go hand in hand together many times because praise is the outward expression of our worship. You see, worship is internal. Worship is something that comes from within us as we focus on our God. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we're going to read those verses in just a moment. But before that, let me just, let me just say this. What is worship? What is worship? Where does it come from? Well, the word actually means worth, W-O-R-T-H, ship. Okay? It is to ascribe the proper worth to God. It is to magnify His worthiness. He is the great Creator and Sustainer of the universe. He is the Sovereign Lord of all things. He is worthy of all honor and praise. Let me ask you something, church. When you come before to God, even on a Sunday morning, because some people think that worship is just something we do on Sunday morning, but we're going to learn that worship is something we do every day of our lives. What kind of attitude do you come before God? How do you see God? How do you view God? You know, in Isaiah 6, one of my favorite stories throughout Scripture is when Isaiah gets confronted with the sovereignty of God. And he sees the awesomeness of God and he falls before God prostrate and he says, Oh, woe is me, I am undone. Which means destroy me, God. Judgment upon me. And then God shows mercy and grace and forgives Isaiah of his sin. And then God says, Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord, send me. Total submission to God. True worship will bring submission to God. You know, I was thinking about the term worship, and I've, I've, I've heard a lot of different definitions, but here's one that I kind of like. It says, to be totally captivated with the greatness and majesty of God. That as He reveals Himself, it brings us to a place where we ascribe to Him all honor and praise and leads us to a life of obedient surrender. To see God for who He really is. If you have your Bible, stand with me as we read God's Word and honor to it this morning. John chapter 4, verses 23-24. through 24. As you know the story here, Jesus is in Samaria. He's meeting with a Samaritan woman. And He's talking to her about worship. And this is what He says. He says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Heavenly Father, God, thank You for the reading of Your Holy Word this morning. And now, God, as we continue on in this message, Lord, may Your Holy Spirit speak through Your servant. I'm not worthy, Lord. I know that. But God, I am so thankful for the opportunity to share Your message. And may it be just your message and not my opinion, Lord. May the Word of God change us today so that we'll leave different than we came. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright. So, worship is to ascribe to God all that He is. As God reveals Him to Himself to us, it brings us to that sanctifying transformation process by which God changes us from the inside out. 
You know, so many times, folks, we come to church with the wrong mentalities and the wrong attitudes. We've got life beating us down and we forget just who our God really is. In worship, we remember Him. In worship, we see Him. In worship, we see just how great and awesome He is in our lives and the lives of those around us. So as we're looking at what is worship this morning, we've already talked a little bit about worship, but I want to I want to take you to John chapter 20, verse 28. And it says this, And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Now what has happened here is Thomas was in the upper room with the other disciples and they said, We've seen Jesus, he said, unless I can see His side and His hands and touch Him or whatever, I won't believe. Well, Jesus appears before Thomas. And most of the time, how do we remember Thomas? What's the name we give Thomas? Doubting Thomas, isn't it? We love to focus on the negative side of people's lives, don't we? Doubting Thomas. But yet Thomas in this one statement said one of the most profound statements in all of Scripture. When he saw Jesus and Jesus said, here is my side and here are my hands, stick your fingers in and put your hand into my side, Thomas declared, my Lord and my God. In that, he was declaring his firm belief that Jesus was risen and was God. It declared the reason that John was even writing that letter. If you remember, each of the Gospels had a different aspect of who Jesus was. In John, he was focusing on the deity of God. And right here, Thomas speaks out, My Lord and my God. Oh, the intimacy in that statement. The personalization in that statement. In that moment, Thomas was worshiping the risen Savior. In Revelation 4.8, the Bible gives us a great illustration of what worship looks like. It says, "...the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come." Now i got to say something here. Before we go any further, I've heard... Well, guess what? In heaven, what are they doing around the throne? Day and night, they're saying the same thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Also in Isaiah, we see the same thing. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. They are constantly in a state of worship before the throne of God. I want you to think about it. Imagine yourself being in the very throne room of God and you're watching all of this take place. If you read in Revelations 4 and 5, it gives you a description of the throne room and it gives you this description of their praise. And it's just amazing as as all this is happening while there's lightnings and thunderings and smoke and there's quaking and God is seated on His throne. It says there's a rainbow. And a true rainbow is fully circle. There's a full circle. It's behind the throne. It says it's an emerald color. And the voice of this praise is what shakes the very foundations of the throne room. In Revelation 4.11, speaking of the elders of the church, it says, they say, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by Your will they exist and were created. In Revelations 5, 11-13, it says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, 
saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And before we go to verse 10, I mean, think about this. They are standing before the... Uh, they're kneeling, they're standing, they're doing whatever they are before the very throne of God, and they're declaring all of these things about Jesus Christ. In true, unadulterated worship. In verse 13 it says, "...and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such are in the sea, and all that are in them." I heard saying, "...blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever." Endeavor. And they having some good worship in heaven, ain't they? You know, one day as we've been talking about the, you know, Dr. Lynch with the rapture of the church, and pastors talked some about that. When we come into heaven, this is the scene we're going to see. It's going to be a great time of worship. But you know, how many times have we come into church to worship Him? Do you realize that when we come into this place as a body of believers, and let me just say this, this is not the church. You are the church. This body is the church. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we come together, we are coming to worship an audience of one. It's not to worship one another. It's not to worship someone who's standing on this, uh, on this stage or any other thing. It is to worship and to adore and to give Him all that He is worthy of. Many times we just sing a few songs. We give a routine gift. And then we totally neglect Him. And we focus on others to enjoy their performance. What a sad day when we get to the point that we come to worship, but we forget who we come to worship. Church, never let your worship, never let your time coming together with the body of Christ be out of obligation. It is not an obligation to come and to worship here. It is an opportunity. It is the greatest opportunity that God has given His people that we can worship Him. That we can come into His very presence. If you remember before Jesus died, they weren't allowed in the presence of God. The veil kept them out. And only the high priest could enter once a year when the glory had descended upon the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died on the cross, we know as it said, the veil was rent in two, and that way we could all come by the blood of Jesus into the presence of Almighty God. And we don't have to wait to get to heaven to do that. I get to do it every moment of my life if I want to. It's unlimited access. And oh, when we come together to do it, we can come and worship Him for who He really is. I mean, think about this, church. God has revealed Himself to us. He has shown us who He is. When I think about that, I think, who am I to deserve such an honor? To see God for who He is. To know God. To experience Him. To even understand the things that He's allowed me to understand about Himself. In Romans 1.20, it tells us that through creation, He has revealed His majesty and His power to us. 
You know, I can remember in 2005, I came back to the Charleston area. I'd been ministering up in Saluda, South Carolina. And when I got back, I enrolled at Charleston Southern University to study church music. I was going to work on my music degree. One of the things they told me, though, was, well, we've noticed in your previous college that you didn't have a science, so we're going to put you in a science class, and they put me in botany. I said, botany? What in the world is botany? I said, oh, this is going to be horrible. I said, what does botany have to do with anything that has to do with God? I'm here to study music, and, and I'm going to be in ministry, and botany ain't got nothing to do with ministry. Oh, how foolish I was. <laughs> I can tell you that on my first test, I got a C. On my second test, I got a D. And the Lord began to convict my heart. Which He had been convicting it already, but He was like, what are you doing? Look at the opportunity you have that you're actually in a school where your professor is a Christian man, and he was. He was a wonderful Christian man who is teaching you how I created these plants. How I put this all together. And I'm going to tell you something. Just a simple change of attitude and focus. In every class, I couldn't wait to get there because it was a worship service. Because as I began to see how God put His fingerprints on how He created a plant, not this one, this one's fake, it's plastic. But I saw that, you know what? Plants have DNA. They have RNA. Now, don't get into this foolishness out there that thinking that, that we are plants because God created plants. His fingerprints are just on creation, okay? We are the only creation that He breathed His life into and we are created in His image, not a plant. But I began to learn about how God created the plants, how He created the flowers, how He created the trees, and how they all fit together. You know, the funny thing is, is the end of 2008, when I was still studying music, and botany was all the way over with, already over with, God called me to pastor a church. And guess what? One of the first pa passages in the first year I preached on. John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. And guess what? Botany does apply! It applies to the Word of God. Folks, when you walk outside, and you see the creation around you, do you just pass it by? Or do you think God created all of this to declare His glory and His majesty? When's the last time you picked up a rose and looked at the beauty of the petals and the aroma? When's the last time you sat down and watched the insects as they go about their daily routine? I know that sounds kind of funny, but I'm going to tell you, I was in the mountains one day I got up early in the morning, I was reading Isaiah, and it was talking about creation. And as the sun came up over the mountain, the light shined on the tree branch, and all of a sudden there were these insects just moving along, going about their daily routine. And as the wind blew through the trees, it was as if the trees were bowing in worship to their Creator. 
And I thought to myself, God, why can't I have this all the time? And He said, duh, you can. Because I dwell in my creation and I declare my glory through it. But I can't have saved you. I have put my life in you. I have put my Spirit in you. I am with you at all times. You can be in my presence anytime you want to. You see, worship can only truly be done when we are focusing and thinking about God and who He is. You know, folks, it's so sad to me that sometimes the years I've been in ministry, I've watched many times during the worship part of the service, people playing on their phones. People finding something else to do while we're coming into the presence of God. I have watched as soloists have sat up here or stood up here and sang songs that God had placed on their heart that ministered to their hearts and they are worshiping. And turn and watch people flipping through their Bible or flipping through the hymn book or looking at an iPad or a phone. And I thought to myself, you're missing out. You're missing on the glorious opportunity that we can come into the presence of a holy God and worship Him. You know, Christian sang Revelation song this morning. You know, actually I heard somebody say, I don't like that song. You know what I told him? I said, well, I guess you don't like the Word of God. Because that's straight out of Scripture. You know, folks, sometimes we may not like the genre of song, but it doesn't mean we can't worship if the words exalt the risen Savior. If the, if the words point to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get caught up in our own opinions and things that we miss out on what God is doing. You come and you worship here, and, you, and, you, and God is inviting you to worship, and then something happens that just doesn't go the way you like it, and you just get the poochie lip. I have seen so many Christians with poochie lips. You've seen kids with that. They, you know, they stick that bottom lip out. <laughs> folks, I'm being facetious. I know, I'm joking. But, but the reality is, what an opportunity you have. Each and every week as we come here, I'm going to tell you something. I promise you this. To the best of my ability, as long as I can stay out of my own way, I promise you that whatever we sing here on a Sunday morning will honor the Lord Jesus Christ. It will point you to Him. Not to me. Not to anything else. Listen, I've had people come up and say, man, you need to do this song. And I listened to that song and I was like, that doesn't honor the Lord. I'm not doing that. I don't care how new it is. I don't care how old it is. If it doesn't focus on Christ, then what good is it? Because He's the only one we worship. That's why I don't like a lot of the modern worship because it focuses so much on me, I. But second of all this morning, how should we worship? Once again, John 4, 23-24, But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So there's two things here that Jesus tells us that is important when it comes to our worship. First of all, we must worship in the Spirit. 
It's by the Holy Spirit indwelling you. You cannot truly worship God unless you have God indwelling you. The Holy Spirit is what bids us to come. According to 1 Corinthians 12.3, it says, No one can even say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Now let me explain what that means. Okay? Now yes, anybody out there can just say the terms Jesus is Lord. But that's not what he's talking about here in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about, he's saying, a genuine confession of their worshipful submission to Christ. In order to do that, you've got to be born again. If the Spirit of God does not indwell you, you cannot truly worship the God who created you. To be honest, you're not going to worship Him anyway if the Holy Spirit doesn't indwell you because you're not going to be seeking after God. But if the Holy Spirit indwells you and comes and lives and resides in you, then He gives you the opportunity and He gives you all that you need that you can come into the presence of a holy God and worship Him and ascribe to Him all glory and all honor. You see, to worship in the Spirit is to worship from the inside out. It comes from the power source of the Spirit. Now, understanding this, having the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we will always worship, but it does mean that we can. Think about this. You can't fix your hair with a hair dryer unless you plug it in, right? Well, you can't come into worship with God unless you're plugged into the power source, the Holy Spirit. He is the one that indwells and gives us all that we need so that we can come before God and honor Him. Next, we worship in truth. We worship according to the Scriptures. God reveals Himself through His Word. And as He reveals Himself, we worship. You see, we also worship in ways that the Bible tells us to worship. Psalm 37.4 says this, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, let me illustrate this a little bit. I want you to imagine, I come home one day, Missy's in the house, she's sitting there on the couch, I have some roses, and I come in and I, give Missy the roses, and then I sit down with her and I said, let's talk for a little while. Let's spend some quality time together. And so we spend the next hour or so just sitting there talking, and she's getting all goo-goo-eyed. She just loves her man. As Thumper said it, she got Twitter-pated. She's having a wonderful, joyous time. And at the end of it all, she says, Oh, baby, I just thank you so much for the flowers and for the time spent. It was so wonderful. And I look at her and I say, Well, baby doll, it was my duty. Now, what do you think is going to happen after that? Here lies Kent Wilson because he was stupid. Folks, if we come before God and we worship Him because it's our duty, you're 
not going to get anything out of that. And you're hurting Him. That's why He said there in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. Fall in love with the God who saved you. And out of love, worship Him. Mark 12.30, Jesus gave us that. He said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. You see, we don't serve God out of duty. We serve Him from a genuine heart of love and adoration. I wouldn't buy my wife roses and sit down and talk with her because I'm supposed to do that. I want to do that. I want to spend time with her. I love her. I adore her. But I will tell you this, she can't do for me what God can. The love I have for Him goes deeper. It is stronger. It is wider. It is greater than any love I have in this earth. Why? Because He loved me that much and more. And demonstrated that love. My wife couldn't die on the cross for my sins. She couldn't resurrect herself and give me eternal life, but Jesus could. And that's why I worship Him. That's why I come before Him. That's why when I come in on Sunday morning, one of my first prayers is, Oh God, let me worship You today in spirit and in truth. Let the Word of God be proclaimed through the music, Lord, and let my heart just bathe in Your glory. But you know, we don't just worship God when we feel like it, do it. We do it at all times. Feelings come and go. I don't always feel like coming to church, but you know what? I come anyway. Why? Because God has put that discipline in my life. You be at church, even when you don't feel like it. I was like, but Lord, I got to see that person, and you know who that person is. I, I really got. <laughs> God bids me come, and you know what? Every time I come into the presence of God, I don't walk away the same. Genuine worship brings transformation. It gives God that freedom as I surrender all of who I am to Him. And then He works in me. I don't have time to read Psalm 42 and 43, but I want you to read it when you get a chance. The psalmist was not feeling the feelings at this moment. He was in a spiritual drought. But nonetheless, he longed for God's presence and touch. And he even preaches to himself. He says, Oh soul, why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Folks, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you may be facing. All of us are facing difficult times at times. But that is never a reason for us not to come before a holy God in worship. And lay ourselves bare before Him. In John 7.38 it says, He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, in times of drought, pray for those living waters to be revealed in your life. They're already there, but you know what those living waters are? The Holy Spirit. Oh God, let Your Holy Spirit flow. Let those living waters that brought me from death to life flow in my veins. Thirdly, and as we're coming to a close, where should we worship? We've looked at what is worship and how we should worship. Now, where should we worship? 
Well, Hebrews 10.25 is very clear. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And if your Scriptures are like any other Scriptures, that way you see it up there on the screen. Day is capitalized. What day is it talking about? The return of Jesus Christ. As we see that day approaching, how much more should we be coming together? Folks, we are to come together and be a part of God's family. Public worship. God desires for His people to come together regularly for the purpose of worship. To come into His presence together. Throughout Scripture, Jesus calls His children many different things. He calls them His flock, His sheep. He calls them the body. He calls them His church. Plural. And it's made up of those who have been transformed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now I want to say this. I'm not against streaming live services. I'm really not. There are people that are shut in who can't come to church and they get to be a part of our worship experience, although I know they would rather be here with us. I know that there are some recovering from sickness or are sick or surgery. There are some who are out of town and they're like, man, I'm just on vacation, but I'd like to be a part of my church worship. But I'm going to say this. It should never take the place of true corporate worship. You cannot worship with your brothers and sisters truth, truly through a TV screen or a computer screen or a phone screen. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, well... I can worship on the lake. When I'm out there and I'm in the peaceful waters of the lake fishing, I worship God. I told him, I said, there's two reasons why that is a bold-faced lie from the enemy. Number one, you're living in disobedience because you're out on the lake when you should be with God's people when God says, forsake you not the assembling of yourselves. You're disobeying the Lord Jesus Christ. And second of all, there are blessings that can only be experienced when we come together. There are blessings that can only come when we as the people of God come together in corporate worship and our hearts are united in love for our Master. I've heard people say, Sunday is my only day off, so I will worship God in my way. What? Show me in this book where it says, I get to worship God the way I want to. No, in this book, He tells us how we're to worship Him. He tells us how often. It tells us how we're supposed to do it. It tells us when we're supposed to do it, as we're talking about right now, and everything else. He doesn't leave it up to us, because you know what? We make a mess of everything. God gave us strict instructions of what it is to worship Him, to honor Him, to come together and worship. Not only public worship, folks, we're to have private worship each week. Spend time daily with the Lord. Luke 5.16 So He Himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. You see, public worship is wonderful, but that does not excuse us from the private times of being with the Lord. And you know what, folks? Sometimes in private times, our worship, maybe not a word is spoken. A song not even sung. But the Holy Spirit groans within us and goes to the Father and through the Son on our behalf. 
brings us into an attitude in a moment of worship. You know, I've learned in my journey that public worship can really only be enjoyed and enhanced. And that week I've had many moments of private worship with my Lord. Those moments alone, Jesus enjoyed going and being with the Father. To know the Father's will, to stay on course. But also to spend those moments with Him. 1 Chronicles 16.11 Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face forevermore. I like the ESV. It says, Seek His presence continually. James 4.8 Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Why God has made Himself available to you, church? Seek Him out. He's given you the right to seek Him. Before you... Before you were saved, you wouldn't seek God because it says there's none righteous, no, not one. There are none who seek after God. But as we are born again, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. How often do you spend time seeking those moments with the Lord where you can just worship Him and extol upon Him and, and, and ascribe to Him all honor and glory and focus on the beauty of His holiness? We are to desire those intimate moments with Him on a daily basis. Let me ask you a question as I close. Pastor Tim sends out a message over the message line from Washington Baptist Church. He says, folks, just want you to know, Jesus is here. He's at the church. And He is asking to spend time with you. Just call the church, set up an appointment, and God Himself, through the person of Jesus Christ, will come to your home and spend time with you. Megan wouldn't be able to handle the phone calls that would come in wanting to set up those appointments. But guess what? Pastor Tim, Megan don't have to set up appointments. You can go anytime you want. God is always at access to His children. There is never a time that we can't come before Him. He bids us come. God has given us this unlimited access to Himself to come and worship and experience Himself. You see folks, each Sunday we come together. And I hope you come with an attitude of I just want to honor the Lord. I just want to praise Him. I just want to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And yes, through the preaching of the Word, we can still worship. Because remember, spirit and in truth. Where do we get truth from? The Word of God. We worship. Yes, each and every day of our lives, God sits and waits. You know, Revelation 3.20, we use that for salvation, but it really, I don't think it's really much about salvation. It's It's... it's is Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will let me come in, I will come in and sup with him. You know what door he's knocking on? The door to the church. Let me back into the church. God desires those moments with you. Let me ask you this question. How is your worship each week? 
Do you find it hard to worship Him? Could be sin in your life. Let the Holy Spirit cleanse you by the washing of the Word so that your heart and your spirit will be in tune with God so that those moments that you can come into His presence will be uninhibited. And you'll be able to worship Him. Could be because you're not connected to the power source because the Holy Spirit doesn't live in your life. I'm going to tell you something, church. There are a lot of people who are going to wake up the morning after the rapture and that great delusion is going to hit them. They've never truly been born again. To truly be born again is to truly to know God in His fullness. To know Jesus Christ. But how many times are we like the Jews of old where Jesus said, they praise Me with their lips, but their hearts are far from Me. To me, I'd rather never speak another word in praise to God if my heart is not connected to Him. If my life is not connected by His Holy Spirit. Because what good are the voice, the words that come out of my mouth if they don't proceed from the heart that belongs to Him. Do you belong to Jesus this morning? If you died today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you go to heaven? Somebody says you can't know that. Paul says our Gospel did not come to you in word only in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, but in power and the Holy Spirit with much assurance. Not a little bit of assurance, a lot of assurance. You'll know if you had an encounter with God and whether He changed your life. Maybe you're not able to worship because you don't know the One you're worshiping. Or that you're trying to worship. Listen, I've done the best that I could today to try to open up a little bit about worship. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this subject could go on and on and on. There's so much in the Bible. I just tried to hit on some of the, the high points. So where are you at this morning, Christian? Have you come today? Did you come today with an attitude of worship? Do you go home and spend time intimately with the Lord on a regular basis. And is that worship experience real? Heavenly Father God, thank You for this morning. God, I just pray that we will be those true worshipers, the real worshipers that You were speaking to that dear lady about. That we will come in spirit and in truth and we will honor You, not only with our lips, but Lord, our hearts and our lives. That each day as we get up, and we would spend time with intimacy with You and honor You. Lord, I think of John in Revelation 1.17, Lord. When he is confronted with the glorified Christ, he falls prostrate. He says, I fell as a dead man. Because he saw the glory of Your holiness and Your greatness and awesomeness. Lord, may we come into every service. May we come into every moment with You with an anticipation to ascribe to You all honor and glory because You are worthy of it. Lord, I thank You for this morning. I thank You for all that You've done in this place. Now, Lord, as we go into our time of invitation, if there are some who need to be saved, then God, I pray Your Holy Spirit, if, they're draw if You're drawing them today, they'll respond. 
and allow the Holy Spirit to bring them into salvation. Lord, if there are believers who their worship has been empty because, Lord, they've just forgotten just how wonderful You are, that they'll come to these altars and they'll seek You out again. Because they have the right to as the children of God. We have the right to come to our Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.